This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back, everybody, to bi week's edition of the Browns Film Breakdown. I am your host, Per the usual, Jake Burns, writer at the OBR, Cleveland.com, founder, operator of Brown's Film Breakdown. You can find all of the X and O clips on Twitter, at Brown's Film BDN. And obviously you can find the work weekly on the OBR, Cleveland.com, as we look at the X and O side of the Brown's week-to-week operations. But in the midst of a bye week, guys, I did want to come to you with some content here. Uh, the goal is is this week and the season wears on is to sort of narrow uh, down, map out uh, the coaching situation. So that is going to be a hot topic of conversation as I bring folks on. That will be a question that is frequently asked. And I also wanted to, uh, you know, get as many people on from a national perspective to see what they think of the Browns as a whole, uh, the roster condition, the situations that have surrounded the team this year as we have seen a roller coaster of the first 10 weeks. The good part seems to be that as the bye week is come and gone here, as the Browns now head into preparations for the uh, struggling Cincinnati Bengals, the the, the atmosphere in which Berea is currently in is has been quiet this week. There have been a few rumblings, as most of you have read. Almost when I saw it, I thought it was a a fake news article about the interest in Condoleezza Rice interviewing for the head coaching opportunity. Not to uh, not to say that Condoleezza Rice doesn't have a background in football, and, it, and, and many people I respect via social media that have an important voice in understanding football, understand that she knows football too, obviously a part of the College Football Playoff Committee, a well-known Browns fan. It is uh, not not to discourage the idea of a female head coach in the NFL, because I do hope that we trend there in that direction at some point, but it just was very, very blindsiding. And um, I think what caught most of the fan base off guard, obviously John Dorsey had to come out quickly and sort of quell the idea that she was being entertained for a head coaching opportunity. I do think her future does lie, hopefully, on the commissioner side of things someday. We will see. Uh, but but as we continue forward, uh, we will bring you coverage, obviously, of the Bengals this week, uh, how the Browns will prepare for them, what a game plan looks like for them, and then uh, you know also try to bring on some guests to look at the Browns uh, holistically as as the the opportunity arises when you have a couple weeks off here. So uh, just real quick before we transition into today's guest, I do want to talk to you guys about the great opportunities over at mybookie.com. One of the hottest times of the year to gamble, guys. So many opportunities, different sports are going on. NHL, college basketball, NBA, college football, the NFL, NASCAR is picking up. Everything's going on right now. Plenty of opportunities to make money. 
money, which brings me back to the opportunities at mybookie.com. Reminder, they're doing a 50% deposit bonus. Whatever you put in, they will match that up to 50%. All you have to do is use the promo code BLUEWIRE. So support Browns Film Breakdown. Hop on to mybookie.com. One of the best in the business. Great reviews everywhere. At BetMyBookie on Twitter will respond to anything you need. They're going to show you the quickest betting lines that are out there, the quickest prop bets that are out there. Everything you guys need. Once again, reminder, hop onto mybookie.com, put some money in, get that 50% deposit bonus using my uh, promo code BLUEWIRE. You guys will get all the money you need, flip that money using a parlay, make the big bucks, come back and thank me later. Again, that's my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Okay, guys, excited to bring in Doug Farrar here as we shift here in the bye week, focusing on the long-term play of what this Browns roster franchise currently is looking like. Doug, a great follow on Twitter at at NFL underscore Doug Farrar. He is uh, the USA Today national NFL writer, uh, obviously does great work there, has done work at SI, Yahoo, Bleacher Report before that. Uh, we will talk about his book, which I think is one of the better NFL books on the market right now. A lot of you follow me. I try to touch on the schematic parts of things. His book uh, focuses on the evolution, how the uh, the schemes have come into play, and the, and the big paradigm shifts that have come with those. So um, we'll talk about that later again. But Doug, hey man, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. I've been enjoying your uh, your squiggles on Twitter, and it's uh, it's nice to finally connect. I've been learning about the Browns from you. <laughs> hey, I appreciate that. There's there, there's always something to learn about this team every week. It seems to shift week to week, and you know you never know what you're getting. As you know, anybody who's covered the NFL since <laughs> since since '99, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a mixed bag, and now it's more crazy than it's ever been. You see, week to week in the Hugh Jackson era, we didn't know. We didn't know. We we've all and I and I talked to Doug about this uh, before we started this pod. Is is what what is the roster shape look like to somebody who doesn't sit on their couch every Sunday and watch the Browns or commit a good amount of time to studying film or uh, you know a ton of thought process to who the Browns are. So I, I really, Doug, I want to get your perspective. What do you think the roster shape as it is right now? What do you think it looks like? Does it look like a roster that somebody can come in next year as, a, as the head coaching change is going to happen? Is it a roster people can win with? I think it's going to be a tremendously attractive coaching job, depending on how Dorsey and, I mean, Haslam is, he presents his own uh, issues. But as far as interference in history and, you know, whatever. But, you know, Dorsey McLuhan is... I've been saying for years, the single best personnel guy in the NFL and has been for a very long time. Um, they are, they're, they're loaded with talent in the front office. I mean, you look at their draft. They got Mayfield, they got Denzel Ward who, and Jair Alexander is pushing up in green Bay, but I mean, Ward is my defensive rookie of the year. Mayfield is my offensive rookie of the year. So if you get those two guys in your first two picks, that's not bad. And then you get Nick Chubb who, you know, looks like a star. You got Corb. I mean, this draft, you've got, you know, immediately at least three impact starters. When you look at the Browns roster, I mean, the things you want to sort of define your franchise over a series of years, um, especially, you know, there'll be second year players next year uh, when the new coach takes over, whoever it may be, you've got the quarterback, you've got the lockdown corner. You've got actually, I mean, that, that whole secondary is pretty good. You've got the pass rusher. You've got Larry Ogunjobi, who I believe is the most underrated defensive lineman in the NFL. He's been 
flashing on tape all year. Um, obviously, they need help on the offensive line, although Greg Robinson has done – and he's improved things, and no one's going to mistake him for Joe Thomas. But it's better than it was. So, it, you know, what I said uh, when, when you asked me about it, kind of the national perception, and I think this is true, it's, it's been really good roster, really bad coaching. And they've obviously got to turn that around. And, you know, it, it, it impresses me most with Mayfield because he comes in the hardest position in sports to play. Uh, new concepts, new roster, new everything. And his head coach and his offensive play designer are battling back and forth, acting like petulant children. And he somehow around that has managed to develop every week. And, you know, it, it's, it's a really impressive roster. And I think the right coach can come in and I don't know about immediate playoff contender, but certainly in the hunt. And I think in the hunt pretty quickly, that roster is as set as you could ever imagine from any quote unquote bad team, which they're really not. I think they've just been, they've been poorly run and poorly coached for a long time, but you know, with Dorsey in charge, I think that's going to turn around. Yeah, no, great points. Um, You know, especially considering, I think a lot of us have lobbied for the roster being a winnable roster the past few years. Now, to an extent in which they're winning, that can be subjective, obviously. But there is enough talent here to win some games. And this year it's manifested itself in being in games, not necessarily winning as many as they hoped. So, um, yeah, and that, 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 the, ba- the Baker Mayfield topic is one that I do want to get a lot of your opinion on. Um, sort of tell me where you were pre-draft this is this is an interesting exercise to me because a lot of folks were and this this is there's nothing wrong with the takes that were of Mayfield pre-draft to post-draft but I'm interested to know what you thought his limitations were sort of strength limitation pre-draft and how has that manifested itself in his first uh you know portion seven starts now of his NFL career you know where where do you see him what do you see him as long term kind of thing Given his college offense, I and you know I don't immediately categorize people in those sorts of offense. Oh, spread guys will never succeed because a things can change, and b if you're still considering a pro style offense in the NFL to not be a spread offense, you're living about 15 years ago. So you know, welcome to the new millennium. Um, I didn't see. I didn't. It's not so much that I questioned this about Mayfield. I just didn't see it enough on tape in college the ability to throw deep, look off the safety, get past the first read, throw with anticipation, the sort of next level things that you find from quarterbacks. And the guy, and I'm in Seattle. So the guy I'm comparing him to is, you know, is a guy I've seen since day one. I was there at Russell Wilson's first rookie minicamp and they had just signed Matt Flynn. And after about three throws, I went, I don't care how much they paid Matt Flynn. This guy's going to get the damn job. (laughs) Um, and with Russell, you could go back to his, his Wisconsin tape and you could see him make those repeatable deep sort of, you know, second read throws, throwing with anticipation. I didn't see that enough from Mayfield. Not that I questioned his ability to do it. I just didn't see it in a repeatable form. Mm-hmm. And then I'm watching game one, game two, game three, and I'm like, oh, okay, these things were there. And they've certainly developed. And, you know, under uh, Freddie Kitchens the last two weeks, I think you've seen the offense open up. And I think what Kitchens is doing, which Jackson and Haley did not do enough, is present him with a favorable first read. And that doesn't mean he's always going to dump it off, because as you know, he doesn't. What he'll do is he'll know he has that in his back pocket. 
Yeah. It was a big thing that Sean McVay did with Jared Goff. First thing McVay did when he was hired is he told Goff, you're always going to have a first read open. What you do beyond that is a different story. But we're not going to restrict you in the passing game to some BS concept that was, you know, laudable 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in, in just two weeks with Mayfield, you've seen that sort of expansion. And he's a, he's a tough, courageous quarterback. I mean, he's going to make throws. And once in a while he makes throws, you know, to <laughs> say about quarterbacks, he can make all the throws, including the bad ones. But certainly, as I said, given the situation he found himself in and, you know, he lost Josh Gordon pretty quickly. That would have helped him. Um, the offensive line uh, had been a real problem. Uh, you know, I, I think he's gone through it masterfully and I see, you know, I, I see, I hate the word upside. I, I see tremendous potential there and I think he's living up to it. I, I know Albert Breer of uh, MMQB pulled 18 executives a couple weeks back as far as just rookie of the year overall. And there wasn't one vote for Mayfield. And I don't know if it was like pre-draft perception of his quote-unquote attitude or what, but I don't know how you can watch that kid on tape and know what his situation has been and see how he's improved every week. He's won rookie of the week like, what, three or four times? Yeah, and um, he's likely to have a shot again this week if Nick Chubb doesn't steal it from him. Exactly. So, you know, I think he is by far the best rookie in this class. Um, He's one of the better and more consistently interesting rookie quarterbacks I've seen in the last four or five years. I think he's great. I think he's only going to get better. Yeah, yeah. Those are, I mean, obviously all great points. I think that the pre-draft to post-draft conception of him is is certainly something I'm going to pay attention to in the offseason. Um, I really liked him. I, I, I noted limitations. Certainly you talked about the idea that he, you know, a read that is open, something that he did at Oklahoma was the first read is there, holding it a little bit longer because the offense gives him that the, the luxury to do that and driving the ball downfield. That's how he found a lot of success. And I tried to cover that this week on Cleveland.com is, is, is his ability in the NFL to use that check down, something that he always doesn't, do is a natural part of his game is going to carry him because the best in the NFL do that regularly. They find those backs, they get them out in open space. So I think that will carry him. And those are obviously all great points. And I will be very interested to see if those GMs get pulled again, but I want to give you the platform again here. Last question on roster, anybody else, uh, maybe that, that, that kind of flies under the radar you've appreciated when you've studied the Browns, any other players, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, my man crush on Larry Ogunjobi can, 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 can just continues unabated. Um, really stood out. I mean, he, I, I had watched a little bit last year, and I'm like, okay. And from week one this year, I mean, as a head over nose, as a one tech, and they'll, they'll flare him out to three tech a little bit, as you know. But uh, if you've been watching the Browns for a while, you remember when Sean Rogers came in and was sort of on his peak, and Rogers weighs like 500 pounds more than Ogunjobi does. <laughs> But it's that same sort of impact that, you know, getting consistent pressure as a head over nose is one of the hardest things to do because you're going to get a a duo or a combo probably from a guard um, most of the time, especially if you're, you know, because we might not know, you know, the general public doesn't know about Ogunjobi. I can tell you that opposing offensive coordinators do and offensive line coaches do. Um, He's just, he's a great player. And, you know, very strong, very quick off the ball, 
quick around gaps. You know, he's just, he's everything you want in a defensive tackle. And I would hope that as the Browns start to get more successful, which, you know, they will seem to do, that Joby will get more credit to and he's just a constant disruptor, really good against the run. You can backtrack off pressure to stop running backs coming through the A gaps. I think I think he's a tremendous player. And he's made a huge jump in, in 2018. Yeah, great point. I think Larry's success the last half of the year, the bye week couldn't have come at a better time for him because you know, the overtime games and the abundance of snaps that those guys up front have seen this year. And and Greg Williams has sort of been stubborn about rotating. He gave he gave them a break this past week for the first time. So I will be very interested. I was going to say, has Odin Joby missed any snaps at all? No, he's he's got – I think he had last I checked. I know Evan Silva does a really good job of tracking this data, but something along the yep. lines of 100 more snaps than any other interior player. And Miles Garrett was up there too. Those guys rarely That's come off crazy. the field. It is crazy. And it's, it's even crazier when you think about the fact as a coaching staff you would like to get those guys a break given they've played nearly an extra game of, of football this year with all of the overtime. So uh, I will be – interested to see like I said the overtime or sorry the uh the bye week couldn't come at a better time for him if we get back to some of that film pop stuff we saw first four weeks when he was a little bit more fresh but kind of switching gears last thing I want to get your idea on you know John Dorsey covering the league much longer obviously than I have and John Dorsey's been a fixture of the NFL for a good while now when you think and uh, I always make the caveat very premature discussion six weeks of football well seven weeks of football left if you had to guess or sort of think of guys that would fit his mold for what he might want in the future here head coaching candidate wise where does your mind kind of go to with that discussion well if if I were John Dorsey, I I would realize that I have a rare and gifted talent at the quarterback position, and that is the most important position on the field. We all know this. Uh, I would get the best coach for him. I would I would make this a McVay style hire, um, and John D. Filippo certainly would. I mean, in my mind, would be the most attractive guy. I I think. You know, certainly what Minnesota's offense has done. And in his absence in Philadelphia, you've seen that offense kind of fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, what Frank Reich has done with Andrew Luck, I think you could see Filippo do with Mayfield. Um, Matt LaFleur in Tennessee, a lot of people like him. I like what he's, he's kind of expanded Tennessee's offense. Um, kind of a sleeper guy. And I got to know him in Seattle as Chris Richard. He was the, Defensive backs coach and then a defensive coordinator up here. Um, he's done some offense and defense with the Cowboys. I think he's a great mind. I think eventually he will be a head coach in the NFL. Started, he was a USC defensive back, played for the Seahawks for a while. Started as kind of a graduate assistant with Carroll back at USC and came up the ranks. Um, but, I mean, overall, if I'm Dorsey, I'm getting the best offensive mind that aligns with Mayfield's talents and I'm starting there and you know that that's where I start yeah no great all great points and Flip has a history here and all of that and I'll be very interested to see if he's willing to jump in the uh Jimmy Haslam tornado again but and I love Flip I well and that's going to be a question that's going to be a question for any and it's a question of that tornado versus a roster where you could come in and win five more games and in 2018 and be named coach of the year based on roster talent alone. Very good point. Absolutely. The, the question of how much hands-on Haslam will be with Dorsey here will be something that obviously has to be vetted by any candidate. But I do want to ask you, 
So the the idea in this corner of of the media world with the Browns is these two coaching candidates at the college ranks, which is you know Matt Campbell and, and Lincoln Riley. They're, they're two names that are popular. Lincoln's obvious. Lincoln is tied to Baker. Matt Campbell's a Northeast Ohio guy originally, hot candidate as he's carried Iowa State to to a really good season and really been successful there over his career. So I, here's my problem, and you tell me if I'm crazy. You tell me what you think. And I know that the game is shifting to where college football and the schemes um, have, have have infiltrated, and that's good. That's great. They should be infiltrating the NFL more and more. But the guys that we yep. try to compare them to, the McVeighs, the Shanahans, the LaFleurs, those guys, and I know Matt LaFleur is not a head coach yet, but it's a matter of time, is is those guys have have had histories in the NFL. Do you think that somebody – young mid 30s approaching 40 such as Campbell Lincoln Riley can come into the NFL and have that success right away or do you think that that risk is is being overlooked by people because it, it is something that people just throw these young names out and the connections are obvious but people forget McVay's connection is deep and deeply entrenched into the NFL and how it works and the yeah. same with Shanny I mean are those factors that people need to be considering yeah, uh, it was, I think McVeigh's grandfather, I think it was his grandfather, John, helped Bill Walsh build the Niners dynasty. Obviously, Shanahan's ties are well-documented. If I'm the Browns, I don't want to experiment. I mean, if you can get Lincoln Riley as your offensive coordinator, great. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I, I would not want a coach who, in addition to – because it's, I mean, Lincoln Riley has a history with Mayfield. He's a great play designer. I mean, you could get Cliff Kingsbury just as easily who, you know, Kingsbury developed Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, why aren't people talking about him? Mm-hmm. I think we have a tendency to sort of beef up this hypothetical name or that hypothetical name every year. And I'm not, this is not to say that Lincoln Riley isn't a great coach. He obviously is. But when you come into the NFL, it's an entirely different deal. And I would rather have someone, if I'm Dorsey, I would rather have someone who understands the culture of the NFL, the specific difficulties of the NFL, because college coaches have it a lot easier in a lot of ways. And to have someone come in and be hit in the face with all those transitions and all those difficulties, especially given this franchise's history and turning over coaches every five minutes, I would want someone with NFL ties, um, which you know, that, that's just the way I do it. No, I'm with you. I think if you, everybody wants the next McVeigh, but I just don't, I just don't. Well, there isn't one. Yeah. yeah, And you, you can't correlate age and expect somebody to be as good as he is and, and, and forget the, the path he took to get there. Um, you know, lightning in a bottle thing. I and mean, people criticized the McVeigh hire before it happened. I mean, like when it happened, it was, it was, you know, there were, yeah. there were, there were those question marks too. So no, I, I, I think uh, that's great insight, Doug. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Obviously I want to give you the, well, the, just to, just to bust in here for one quick yeah, second. Um, the Rams, the Rams were seen to a point as incompetent because of the Jeff Fisher era. Yep. And they hired a guy who was worth at least five wins over replacement. Uh, look at what uh, Matt Nagy's done with the Bears this year. It's very much the same thing. They had a coaching staff last year who had, that admitted publicly it didn't know how to use Tariq Cohen. And then, bang, Nate, Nagy comes in. He understands the offense. He develops Trubisky. I think the Browns are in a very similar situation to the Rams pre-McVay and the Bears pre-Nagy. They have scuttled themselves with coaching, but they've built a good enough roster that with the right guy, 
they can turn it around very quickly. So they have to be really careful about this. Yeah, and it, with the draft picks that they've allotted once again, um, yeah, if you're a coach looking at the you got to balance it. Do I take this roster where I can I can take an opportunity to turn a city into a winning franchise that hasn't seen in a while? But I got to balance Jimmy Haslam and what comes with the chaos that seems to follow him everywhere we go. So obviously all going to be interesting as we approach uh, the end of the year and where the Browns go uh, and John, John Dorsey's first coaching hire. But I, I like I said, I loved coming on, you know, having you on uh, talk if we could do this for an hour, if I, if I could keep you on for yeah. an hour, but um, before, <laughs> you know, no, before we go, I, I talked about your book. I want to give you the floor. And the reason this is important to me and people that follow me is I, people tend to follow me for the X and O side of things. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just a spectator to the, to the great book that you put together that can give people the information how these things came to be the game is evolving what seems like on a year-to-year basis and this book is great for that so so if people buy your book my people in the browns corner of this media world what are they getting give them a quick little summary well yeah sure um it's called the genius of desperation and it's a schematic history of pro football from 1920 from the league's formations to the present and I mean, I've already had to write one addendum. I did a three-part article about match coverage on USA Today last week because, like, I'm getting the book done, and it goes to the editor, and it goes to publish, and I'm like, there are five things I've missed already, (laughs) you know, five things that have come up. Um, But it it takes you from, you know, the, the, the beginnings of the league and the T formation through certainly there's a pretty much an entire chapter on Paul Brown, so Browns fans might like that. Um going through the schematic innovations of the AFL into, you know, the merger and all the way to the present day and, you know, positionless defenders and uh, pistol formation and all kinds of stuff. So hopefully an interesting read for, for fans and just interested observers who'd like to know kind of how schemes developed and really it's always been an if this then that where offensive mind comes up with something and a defensive mind comes around to counteract it we're not really seeing that right now but that's been the history so there's you know the genius of desperation title implies that no innovation in nfl history came about through anything else than competitive desperation which i think is true and uh you know we'll we'll see how defenses today handle their own competitive desperation but that's kind of what it's all about Good stuff, Doug. I, 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 again, guys, I cannot recommend the book strongly enough if you care about the history of X's and O's and how it all comes together and how it's brought us to the modern day. And that three-part article you put out, I'll link both of those. It'll have both a link to Doug's book and then a link to the three-part article as well. So um, all good content. You can learn something. Follow Doug again. Uh, if you're not already, you can learn something there on almost a daily basis. So, uh, Doug, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for giving me a little bit of your time, buddy. Uh, my pleasure. I really appreciate it. Yep. All right, guys, we'll be right back. Plenty of great insight from Doug there, guys. I want to thank him again, Doug Farrar from USA Today Sports, one of their lead writers, and really just a great follow on Twitter if you guys get the opportunity. And covers just different aspects of the game that aren't always talked about and is going to give you that X and O analysis you guys love when you follow along with me. So uh, things coming up this week, we're going to have a Nick Chubb breakdown which will come out today on cleveland.com, looking at his different aspects of the zone game and what really is probably a star in the making if he can stay on the current path that he's on. And then we'll cover some more Joe Schobert stuff later this week over at the OBR 
the home base for me. We'll look at what makes him so important to the defense. And we look to have some more guests on this week as well, guys. I know we're going to have Joe Goodberry on to talk about the Bengals, which will be good to get his perspective. He, uh, he writes for The Athletic and does a great job for them. So simple reminder, everybody, if you can, go to Browns Film Breakdown on iTunes. Click the subscribe button. That would mean the world to me. Give me a review if you can. Uh, be as honest as possible, but I'm hoping for as many five-star reviews as we can possibly get. And check out the Blue Wire Network, different podcasts, Kevin Jones podcast, Coffee House Stunt, Ted Wynn's work. The Burgundy blog is going to give you some Redskins information. And then the uh, RPO, which is Run Pass Opinion, is uh, covering the Titans as well. So an expanding network over at Blue Wire. Again, guys, thanks for logging on and listening. Per the usual, we will be back later this week. And until then, go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.